Welcome to the Ryan Ocean Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Ryan Ocean Podcast. And I am joined this week with Tony the Storm Evelyn. How are you doing, Tony? Is it Tony? Is it the Storm? What do you want me to call you? Oh, man, you can call me whatever you want. We've gone we've gone back far enough, and I think enough of the curtain has been pulled back over the years. You can call me Tony. You can call me Storm. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> I'm going to go with Tony because it's nice and it's easy. And I don't want everybody to think they need to like whip out an umbrella or anything crazy like that. Um, so uh, we talked a little bit prior to this, you know, a lot of individuals listen to podcasts might not know you are the wrestling fans probably do, but individuals that listen that aren't so much into wrestling because I I'm getting more into not just wrestlers, but, um, some musicians. I have some other individuals lined up in the future. So we might get a lot of people that tune in that don't have a clue, uh, who some of these people are. So really quick introduction to yourself. If, if you had to talk to someone and you had a minute to kind of give a full rundown, how, how would that go? You have, this is your minute to kind of get some stuff out wh- where you came from, grew up and what you're doing. Yeah, that's awesome. Mom. You know, I definitely want to broaden the, the spectrum. So for those of, those of you who are not familiar with who I am or what I do, um, as, as Ryan stated, my name is Tony, uh, in professional wrestling, I go by the storm. I've been wrestling for the better part of nine years. I originally trained up in a very small town of Oskaloosa, Iowa, um, I moved to Florida a couple years after that, and that's where wrestling really took off for me. Uh, since 2012, I've gone nonstop every weekend throughout the week, wrestled all over the country. Um, in 2018, I was very honored to have the opportunity to be inducted into the Cauliflower Alley Club, which is a uh, 501c3 charity organization for professional wrestlers that is completely funded and run by professional wrestlers. Uh, also, in 2018, I was, um, again, very humbled by the opportunity to be put in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500 Wrestlers in the World, uh, and I debuted there uh, at the end of 2018. And then in 2019, I finished a three-day camp with the WWE Performance Center, which is a really big learning experience for me and a, a very uh, humbling experience to be able to learn from the people that I grew up watching uh, just as a fan. And since then, I've been going strong with some really big matches on the independent scene against some really big names. And I've just been trying to have as much fun as possible. Uh, just recently, I signed on with the World World Wrestling Network, uh, WWN Training Center, as the assistant coach uh, for their new incoming class of students. So I'm, I'm really just having a great time with wrestling right now. So you that's where you're with WWN. That's the same thing Francisco Chiazzo does, correct? Correct. So I am his assistant. When he's not able to be there to run class, uh, because he just took a role as a producer slash agent, so he's going to be spending a lot more time on the road with Evolve and with Shine. Um, I will be in charge of running the classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So this has to be why he told me to ask you what the Stormbinos are. That's not a thing. Stormbinos is not a thing. It's never been a thing. It's never going to be a thing. He told he told let me, me, let me he told me to ask you who the Stormbinos are. In in, in Francisco Chiasso's mind, the, the Stormbinos are a team that just 
recently came together. Francisco Chiazzo and I have a very long history that began as a feud. I remember. I've been. And, I've. I've seen it. I've seen it at some events. That's why I was a little curious as well. For the better part of the last year, we literally fought all over the southeast for it, multiple promotions. People heard about it and they wanted to see it, and they booked it all over the place. And we fought from the Panhandle to the East Coast to South Florida, back up into Central Florida, and honestly, in real life. And in wrestling, he really earned my respect over the last probably four to six months. Uh-huh. Like you know how we, you know how when you're wrestling with somebody, whether you're against them, whether you're tagging with them, you have that respect for the person because you know what they've been through, at least through a training aspect. Like they've gone through the same stuff you're going through, so you respect them as an individual. Yeah, especially. But I really. Yeah, I was going to say I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah, especially if they come from like your same. Um, time and Francisco's been around a little longer, but uh, individuals from uh, our our time frame because I started out right around when you did when you mentioned when, um, but you tend to fall in line with individuals that broke in when you did versus someone who just broke in two years ago. Not saying that you can't get along with them or anything like that, but I find that it's it's easier to relate to slash respect those individuals. A hundred percent. And let's let's take you and I for example. The first time you and I met. One hundred percent. I automatically had a respect for you because you look like a professional. You carry yourself like a professional, and I could tell the moment I saw you step foot in a wrestling ring, you knew what you were doing because you were a trained professional. Yeah, I didn't know you. Yeah, I didn't know anything about you. The the couple times that we've wrestled and the conversations that we've had after we had that first fight, I knew for a fact like I respected. Ryan Ocean. Yeah. Well, no, and same from me to you. Uh, I've never, you know, I've I've had to go into situations where I've been in situations where you have to go do something and you're really not sure about it, um, or you've known what you're going to be getting into over the weekend, and maybe you have a little uh, weird, eerie feeling about it. And then I've had other situations where I know I'm going to be dealing with someone I know, like yourself, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be. I look forward to the weekend. Like I cannot wait until Saturday or Friday night. You know what I mean? And that's the, that's like the mix. That's the vibe I've always had with you. It's it's always a good time. I and I like to feel like I always try to make everything a good time too. I, I hate uh, dry locker rooms. You know what I mean? Like just blah. But yeah. Oh yeah, I agree a hundred percent. So to bring it back around, that's kind of what happened with Francisco and I. We just the the harder we fought and the more we did it, like the harder I would hit him and the harder he would hit me and the the conversations that we would have about travel, about the business, about, you know, the talent that are coming up today, we really um, earned a respect for each other and built a friendship that I never thought was possible. Yeah. With somebody like Francisco Chiazzo, you know, no disrespect to, to him, but the perception that he puts off to almost everybody the first time you meet him, people are very standoffish. But and I've come to learn that that's because he doesn't really trust people either. And he's, you know, he's dedicated to this business. He's literally given his whole life to professional wrestling. Yeah, you wanna... I don't think that guy's ever had a real job. No, you want he's the kind of guy and I respect him for this and I don't blame him for this either. He's the kind of guy that puts it all out there. Um, he does everything that he can for the wrestling business, and he and he and it, it, he he lives it. He breathes it. He bleeds it. You know what I mean? So, an individual like that in those circumstances, he's also aware 
that there are a lot of individuals within the business that will take a machete and cut your knees off as soon as they have an opportunity. So clearly someone with that much experience that's been around that long isn't going to be, you know, hugging and welcome everyone in with open arms. He, he's the kind of guy, and, and I like this, and I'm kind of the same way. He's going to sit back and examine you and figure you out and make a judgment of, of on you based on his own opinion. I don't think he necessarily listens to anyone else, and a lot of a lot of smarter guys don't. They make their own honest assessment, but for some guys it takes a little bit longer than others. You know, myself, I might feel like in 30 minutes I might know who I'm dealing with and I might open up. Someone like Francisco, that could take three, four, five shows in a row of being on the same event before you're like, wow, this guy, this guy talks and he's got a sense of humor or something, you know? A hundred percent. So the last few months, we, uh, we actually found ourselves in a position where we had an opportunity to tag together yeah. and we had, we had one match and the storm being, there was this, like, a, this has to be the storm Binos. This is this is where he comes up with this outlandish name of the Storm Beanos because his former tag team was the Slam Beanos, and he was like, "Oh no, no, it fits." And I'm like, "You're you're trying to, sho- to shove a size twelve shoe and a size twelve foot into a size six shoe. This ain't working. Yeah, you got to come up with a better name if we're going to keep tagging." But he is hell bent on making the Storm Beanos a thing. I believe we have a uh, another tag match coming up at F- the next FIP event. Yeah. against the dirty blonde i'm gonna so, oh, man you guys are gonna get your asses kicked there but but i'm i'm gonna go ahead and say that um the number one candidate for professional wrestling heavyweight approves of the name stormbinos so francisco if you're listening i approve i don't know if a politician's word has anything to do with it <laughs> but i, I don't know I, I, all jokes aside I, I i like the name because it's not it's what else are you going to call yourselves? The donkeys or something? It's an original right. name. It's a cool name. It meshes them together. It's like when, you know, you watch WWE or WCW back in the day. They take two characters, they put them together, and they just mesh their names together. You know eventually you guys are going to want to fucking cut each other's heads off. So you might as well do whatever stupid name Francisco wants to do for a while before you end up whipping each other's asses. Yeah, I mean, it's not terrible. It just, I feel like he could have put a little more effort into it. <laughs> okay. I speak by the way, speaking of the uh the approval of the heavyweight wrestling candidate for twenty twenty. Yeah. I I am absolutely in love with this entire campaign <laughs> that you're running right now. You know, uh my Instagram says politician instead of athlete now. Um and I and everything I'm saying right now is true. Um I have been and that's- that's the funny thing. It's all 100% true. Yeah. I literally cannot agree with what you're saying well, any more than I'm not, I do. I'm not, no, I'm not talking about the words that I that I speak. Um, I have – I'm really fucked in a way. My wife doesn't like it. She does like it, but she doesn't like it. Um, you know how actors are like method actors? Certain actors are method actors. Um, yeah. I treat pro wrestling that way, because, especially now that I'm injured, because I, I can't get in a ring and wrestle. So all I can do in my mind, my job is to entertain people. And there's no such thing as a politician pro wrestler. I, at least I haven't seen it. If there is, he's not doing a good job. Um, right. And I thought to myself, shit, this would be this. I like because I like politics. And, you know, everything is yourself amplified by a million. 
I like rock and roll music too, so the heavy metal king worked out. But what can I do right. with that? I can't shoot a video every day with devil horns up saying, yeah, new Five Finger Death Punch album's coming out. That gets old. But there's always something going on politically in the in the real world that also ties into the wrestling world. And then there's politics and wrestling. And I don't care to I, I'm at the age like we talked about when we when we were brought up and how people act. I am comfortable with myself where I am in life that if me having a good time and entertaining people pisses people off, well I'm sorry. I am ha I have never in my life gotten so many compliments over something that I've done to the point of we talked about early I, I have spent hundreds of dollars on new clothes I put a green screen up in my house today in a room that's dedicated to shooting those cheesy fucking videos that I do because I know they they're good I think in the words that I say but I know it's not like professional audio sounding it doesn't look like you're watching Monday Night Raw or anything like that but to me, that's half the humor. It's like watching a your local politician on the local access TV channel come across with a thing. Um, but I really, I've been dressing that way. I went out and I started coaching a kid's soccer team legit to get tied into the community. Next Monday, I'm going to the county commissioner meeting in Santa Rosa County to talk about pro wrestling. <laughs> I think, this is outstanding. I have dove. I love it. I cannot stop. I co I coached that game. I coached that practice yesterday with my glasses on. I don't fucking wear glasses. I <laughs> know. Uh, I was gonna say you don't even wear glasses. This is great. But it's but a, that's the thing though, and that's the thing that I really hope and to kind of sidetrack a little bit and to get into like my coaching mentality. Yeah. I hope there's a younger guy out there that's watching this and picking up on what you're doing. Yeah. Because I had this conversation with uh, with a buddy of mine who's no longer wrestling. Uh, you might remember him. His name's Vinny. Him and his brother James used to wrestle up in the panhandle a little bit. Are they uh, the Punkadelics. Are they twins? Um, no, no, no. I don't know but I was having a conversation with him, and I had a conversation with my wife about, you're injured. Yeah. But you are still putting out promo material, and you are still working and busting your ass for your audience. So, A, they don't forget about you. Yep. But, B... So by the time you do come back, you come back with such a full head of steam and a brand new character that they're already invested in. And you're doing exactly what used to get younger guys over back in the WWF days that we all remember. Yeah. Those three minute vignettes that are just introducing the character, creating an interest, creating a buzz. And then you could come out literally looking and wrestling like a damn goof. But nobody's gonna care. Well, here's because they're invested in that character. Here's the thing: I've already, I have bookings, and I can't wrestle. I have, right. I have taken bookings to come give political speeches. Coming up. That's that. I saw you were in uh, Alberta. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was. In, I. I'm the heavyweight champion over at Revolt, and I came out there and I was honest on the microphone. I said. Um, I'm the heavyweight champion. I tore my tricep off the elbow. I cannot wrestle right now. There is not another heavyweight here to take this belt. I'm keeping it. I'm not forfeiting the title because there's no heavyweight here to wear it except for me. So they get me spewing my mouth. No one qualifies. 
so that it's good to go. And it, and it's not it's not even really a gimmick. Like I said, I like politics. I'm I feel like I'm being myself. It's not hard for me to think of things to say. I'm going to that meeting next week. That meeting that I'm going to to speak on on a public forum. That's something I've legitimately wanted to do for like the last five years, and now I have an opportunity to do it. And now I'm going uh, in two weeks. I'm going to go to Philadelphia, and I'm going to New York. And I'm gonna. I have all my clothes. I'm campaigning. I I'm not on vacation with my family. I am campaigning, and maybe go out to dinner with the wife here and there. But I have a. You you can never stop working. That's the most important thing. Never ever stop working. Exactly. I can't wait until you're healed, man. Because I want to wrestle politician Ryan Ocean. It's pro wrestling's only politician Ryan Ocean. Yes, I want. I've wrestled the heavy metal king. Yeah. I want to wrestle pro wrestling's only politician. I'm sure somewhere, somehow, it can end up happening. But you, so oh, it's going to happen. I, I want to get back to you. Uh, you know, we got that. We just got a whole lot of current. I appreciate the put over, by the way. I didn't ask for that. Um, I do appreciate that. That's I've I, I try to please as many people as I can and just entertain as many people as I can. So if I've entertained you, that's awesome. And if, if I can continue to keep entertaining others, that's awesome, too. But obviously, this is about you. I want to know when you first came down to Florida, you said it wasn't until you got to Florida that you really kind of broke in. Um, when you came right. down, where did you go to train and who was the most instrumental in opening up that door uh, to opportunity in Florida? So you're never going to believe this. And people literally look at me like I'm stupid when I tell them this. Wait, wait, are they looking at you because you're stupid? Or are they looking at you because you take pictures with horses and post them online? <laughs> we'll, we'll, get to the, we'll get to the horses later. Right, okay. Let's All leave right. the horses in the so back. You, so you get down there. Um, we're not going to believe this. I'm not going to believe this. Who, who, how, what is it? How does it go? So I was essentially not going to wrestle ever again when I left Iowa. It was, it was a hobby for me. I did it with, that group of guys that I trained with, I worked for that couple of companies that I worked for in Iowa. And then when I moved to Florida, it was to be closer to my family and it was to, you know, quote unquote, start a real life. Yeah. So I got to Florida and I'm managing a gym here in Tampa. And I realized that one of the regulars in my gym every day is Steve Kern. Yeah. And I'm, you know, we're, we've, we've created a friendship. We're having a conversation daily and Steve still owns Florida Championship Wrestling at the time, which you'll learn uh, in this next week becomes NXT. Yeah, They actually just got done filming and they're uh, editing and putting it out on Sunday, I believe, a whole like, behind the scenes of what FCW was. Yeah, I've seen the, um, I've seen the video that the, uh, you know, the previews that they're coming out with. It looks interesting. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. Great. He, uh, he told me all about it. But anyway, so... He, he invites me. He asked me, hey, do you like wrestling? I was like, well, yeah. Hey, if you ever want to come to a show, just uh, let me know. I'll leave two tickets for you. Nice. Now, at this no point, show. does he know that you have done anything no, up in Iowa? Okay. not a clue. So you're... The minute he offered, I was like, I will never tell him that I wrestled because I don't want him to think that I'm looking for a favor or that I'm trying to get something from him. Yeah, true. We built a genuine friendship, and I just wanted that to be what it was, like two people that built a friendship, and it just so happens to be that he was one of those wrestlers that I looked up to in the 90s. Yeah. You know, when he came out as Skinner chewing the black licorice and just drooling it down his beard, I was like, this is the most disgusting but hilarious man I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So he gives you the tickets, so anyway, he offers you the tickets. 
Yeah, and I've, I've gone like three, four, five weeks in a row now. And then all of a sudden he pulls me aside one night and he goes, how come you never told me you were a worker? And I was like, I was so caught off guard. I was like, what, what do you mean? He goes, well, freaking Al Perez told me. <laughs> Al Perez, who uh, also was a very big uh, wrestler in the state of Florida, he found out I was a wrestler through a couple of other friends at the gym. And him and I would talk about wrestling all the time. He came in and trained at a different time than Steve, so I didn't put together that they were having regular conversations. Because ah. basically, I'm an idiot. Ah. Well, you're, but you're young. Al dimes me out. Right. So Al dimes me out, tells Steve, and then Steve just kind of takes it upon himself and says, hey, go, go to, I know this guy, he runs a school down here, go see him, get some more ring time. Hey, let me introduce you to this guy, he runs a promotion over here. Let me introduce you to this guy, he runs an independent promotion here. And Steve legitimately got me my first, like, three bookings in Florida. Now, and it just kind of slow-built and took off off of that. Now, when you were up in Iowa, you said it was just kind of with your friends and stuff like that. Uh, or uh, maybe not your friends right away, but a small group of people. When you came down to Florida and Steve Kern started helping you out, um, did he did he require you to kind of retrain? Did he charge you for training? Did you have to go back to school? Or did they did he kind of just, like, see what you knew and said, man, okay, you're ready to roll? How did that work? So Steve wasn't training anymore at this point. Uh-huh. He just kind of like referred me, he, you know, he asked me if he could see some of my tape and I showed him a couple of videos that I had cause I didn't have much. And he was like, not bad. He goes, you got some things you need to work on, but here's who I would, I would, I would uh, tell you to go either here, here or here. Yeah. And just kind of sharpen up and, you know, just stay active. You don't ever want to be out of the ring for too long. Even if you are fully trained and on shows every week, like, you still need to practice. Practice makes perfect. And yeah. I preach that to the kids that today, even after you graduate, quote unquote, from your wrestling school, still go back. Yeah, that's what we Nine did. years later, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, that's what that's what we did when I trained in Texas. You know, it was until I left Texas and moved to Florida, I was always uh, training. Even when I, you know, my when I was paid off and done and I guess graduated, so to speak, you know, you still right. went every, I think it was every Wednesday and Saturday I think we did it back then but yeah it never it never stops it can't right so I took Steve's advice I went down to uh one of the wrestling schools and worked with a couple guys um Frank Reyes uh that's where I met Leo Bryan and uh Mike Patrick for the first time and you know I just constantly stayed active I I got some bookings down there and then I started to just branch out and as I would meet new people uh, you know, they would kind of, you know, they give you the Iggy a little bit and say, Hey, why don't you uh, come check out this place? Why don't you come check out that place? Yeah. And one thing led to another and the ball just really started rolling after that. So I really have Steve Kern to thank for literally everything that I have accomplished thus far. Yeah. Especially down in Florida. It sounded like he opened up a major door for you to get out and really get exposure to people and network. If anything, that's a guy that knows a lot of people. So, yeah, hundred percent. He's he's a great asset, and even to this day, if I call him and say, "Hey, Steve, will you check out this match I had?" He he'll sit down and he'll watch it with me, and he'll give me his thoughts and he'll give me his critiques and tell me what he thinks I could change or add or take away from in any of my matches. Nice. Now, when you came down, um, you're a, you're a bigger guy and mus and muscular now, but. 
back in the day and I'm not and I'm not trying to dog on you or rag on you or anything like that and I'm sure you'll openly admit you are a lo- you're a larger guy you're a little bit overweight and you've done a lot over the years you're phenom- you look great now phenomenal um but even you would admit I'm sure you used to not look great and phenomenal what no what was what was your motivation first off how did you get like that were, were you always a bigger kid and, and i'm not i'm not trying to be an asshole and say how'd you get fat no no, no. i was i've always no, been I've, I've always been a bigger thicker guy i've never had abs you have you have abs we, we've actually talked about that i've never had abs, but i got traps and you know big shoulders and chest yeah. but i but my i've never needed them and i'm i would like to say you probably would never need them either but you're also kind of the white meat baby face it definitely helps you out but what what were you always a bigger kid? Did something happen in life that maybe it was wrestling or something else that led you to I don't know eating a lot? But then there had to be some fence that you came up to where you're like, I got to walk through this gate. And when you go through it, it's a life transformation to get to where you were to where you are now. Because where you're at now, you know, it's it's phenomenal in terms of the way you used to look. When I've seen you put up before and after pictures, and it's like, who who did who this guy pay? Like who is your who's your trainer? Right. You know what? What? How did? How did? Explain that. How did that go? So, um, it's a, it was a long process, and there's like three or four major bullet points that got me from point A to where I am today. Uh-huh. And I would to to answer your question, I was I was always a bigger kid when I was born. Man, I was born uh, ten pounds nine and some change ounces. Yeah, dude. Like, me, me too. And when when I was younger. I, I used to be embarrassed, but when we'd go buy clothes in the Northeast, I'm, I'm sure it's like this everywhere, but my mom used to have to take me to the Husky section. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wore the 10, 12 Huskies, too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I was, like, when I was when I was born, man, like, I was wearing six to 12-month clothes. Like, Damn. I didn't wear newborns. I didn't wear three months. Like, when I was born, I was, I should have just been walking, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I was always a big kid. I was always, like, the biggest kid in my class. Um, and when I started playing high school football, I was not bad. Um, I was an offensive lineman. I was really good at what I did. I got a scholarship to play football. I moved to Iowa, played football for a couple of years. And I never, like, I always got picked on when I was a kid. Yeah. I would say from second and third grade all the way up until middle school when I really like learned my size. I was, you know, everybody would always pick on Fat Tony, well, and I was well, super then, emotional then, about it when I was younger. Yeah, you're probably emotional, but then Fat Tony learned he could beat someone's ass if they don't stop picking on him. A hundred percent. But the once size. Fat Tony learned his strength and learned that I could pick a grown man up and throw him over my head, it, imag- magically the the uh, the insult stopped. Yeah. So I never had a problem through high school. Um, you know, everybody just knew that was the that was the offensive lineman that was going to college. Like he signed his letter of intent. You know, three months before anybody else did. What col- grade? What college? I went to a really small uh, NAIA school called William Penn University. Okay. Um, it was the only school that I felt comfortable going to in the state of Iowa that wasn't a D one school. Because let's be honest, unless you're six foot seven and three hundred and fifty pounds and can still run a four six or faster 40 you're not playing d1 on the offensive line so i got i got and this is kind of interesting everything you've said because it's almost like a mirror of my childhood in a way i was a husky kid i was over 10 pounds when i was born 
Um, and then I play, I got, I got picked on a lot when I was a kid, almost to the point where I kind of feel like I blank people out. It doesn't really affect me now, but I, it's, I don't know, that's a whole different subject. But as I got older, right. I got more confident and I started playing uh, high school football. Um, well, I, I started playing football when it was weight classes. I was real, when I, I started playing young, like elementary school and I always, I never stopped playing, but it was when I got into my high school years that I was confident. Like I played all throughout getting picked on. I, I used to be, I don't want to say afraid to go to football practice, but my parents wanted me to play and I liked playing football, but the kids on the football team would make fun of me too. I would start and play, but I would get, I mean, it, 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 I didn't want to go to practice half the time. Um, and right. as I got older and more, I, I started playing high school and I played varsity football right away. And then now it's like, Oh shit, we got to take this guy a little more serious from the other people, you know, but I, was good. I wanted to play college football. I had a letter from UNLV, uh, Brown and Pitt was one. And I believe there was another school. This is a long time ago now. But even my coach told me like, Hey man, you're good. You're six, four, 200 something pounds. But that's the problem. You're six, four, 200 something pounds. You need to get more size on. So they wanted me to go to a D2 school for two years and then transfer to D1. Right. And I just, I ended up signing up. I joined, obviously, everybody knows the path. I ended up joining the Air Force. But I just, funny, the simula- yeah. it's just, we have a lot of similarities that I didn't know until now, which is kind of, which is kind of interesting. So you're in. Yeah, co- it's actually good to learn these things. Yeah, you, so you're, so you're, in co- you're in college now playing football. Yep. Um, went to an NAI school because I'm not, you know, you're, you're at least 6'4". I'm 6'4". Yeah. 6 foot zero, you know, and I played guard. Yeah. So yeah. at least I had a little bit, I could move, I could pull which was the only reason that they kept me around. But uh, my sophomore year, I was tapping out at about 315, 320. So six foot, let's just say 320. Jesus Christ, you're a big big boy. (laughs) Yeah, I was a big boy. I mean, I I held my own in the weight room. I, you know, I was, you know, starting on the offensive line. So I was doing my job and, you know, everybody knows I was eating good. Yeah. But I had the defining moment that really – took a toll on me was uh the building the building that i was that i had class in that day uh it had four stories and the building was so old there's no elevators uh-huh. so you have to walk up the stairs all the way to the fourth floor by the time i got there i sat down and i could feel myself breathing heavier than i than i liked and i then wiped my forehead because it was drenched in sweat and i was like this is bullshit yeah what am i doing with my life so I went and I had a meeting with the coaches and uh, it was the end of spring ball. And I wanted to talk to them about moving to defense, maybe playing nose tackle and drop down to like 250, 260, because I just, I, I looked in the mirror and I just didn't feel comfortable with my body or the way I looked or felt. If I can't walk up to the fourth floor without being out of breath and sweating, that's a problem. Yeah. And, 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 they, and I, I don't mean to cut you off, but now you're talking about no, you're, good. you're talking about a situation where I, I don't want to predict what the coaches said, but you know those coaches have an idea for you. Your idea is obviously I want to be healthier and I want to be smaller. I'm I'm hoping that this isn't what they said, but I can almost imagine college coaches using you as a co- you're a cookie cutter guy there for a couple of years. This is what you need to do. You can lose weight when you leave. What what did they end up saying? They, uh, they actually, the head coach, he kind of like laughed at me. He's like, are you, are you joking? Uh, and I was like, no, he's like, we've got you slated to start on the offensive line. We were going to ask you to put on another five or 10 pounds and keep your speed. 
Fuck. I was like, so you want me to be six foot, roughly 325, 330, and still run a five flat 40? Well, yeah. And he goes, I said, um, I feel like this is going to be a breakup. Yeah. Because I'm not going to, I'm not doing it. And you're not going to want me to be here. So we got to figure out how to make this work. Uh, long story and a lot of politics later, um, I ended up, I ended up not playing football for the next two years. Uh, they, they kept me under scholarship because of some political strings. Um, basically they needed my GPA Uh-oh, on the team. I was a, yeah, I was a 3.5 and higher student. Um, so I ended up doing a lot of work in the strength and conditioning department and in the admissions department to quote unquote, pull my weight and keep my scholarship. So did you help but, other guys on the team out that were still on the team? No, I literally did nothing football related. Okay. I, um, I actually started working with the wrestling team in the strength and conditioning room. And that's where I really learned how to cut weight and get healthier. Yeah. So by the time I graduated, I cut from 320 to about 230. Damn. Almost 90 um, pounds. And that's, yeah, 90 pound loss by the time I graduated. And it was all because, you know, working with the wrestling team, you learn how to cut weight. Maybe not the smartest ways, but you was, learn all their I was, tricks. I was going to say, when you said, because I wrestled amateurly for a year, surprising, for, might be a surprising to most, but I did. Right. Um, and when you said, I learned how to get healthy and cut weight, I started thinking in my head, I know when I wrestled, the way we cut weight was probably the most unhealthy way that you could ever, like you're rolling yourself up on a mat and just like basically pissing through your skin. You know what I mean? But, yep. but I also know the aspect of your, when you get into that, that kind of wrestling, it's, it's almost like kind of like how pro wrestling is now, or at least for me where I have it, like it kind of encompassed my whole life. When you do collegiate wrestling um, or amateur wrestling, whatever, however you, or Olympic wrestling, it's all the three, the same style. Um, Correct. They eat around the clock geared towards what their weight needs to be. They sweat based on what their weight needs to be. They, time out how long you're going to sit in a sauna with a with a sweatsuit on top of that based on what they need their weight to be so you went from somewhere where they wanted you to weigh as much as you could and be as fast as you could to somewhere where we need you to have a target weight and you need to weigh this much and it's probably drastically less than what you're used to but they could and the, the weird part is they could probably get you there exceptionally faster than anyone else could with their methods and so on and so forth i'm sure diuretics and stuff like that too but that it's it, well the great thing was i wasn't competing oh, okay. i was just like i was like the graduate assistant even though it wasn't even graduate studies it was just hey we need you to pull your weight and earn your scholarship so you work in the strength you work in the strength and conditioning building from 3 p.m to 6 p.m on these days and it just so happened to be when the wrestling team was there uh-huh. so i was learning how the strength coaches put together their program and then I would kind of like buddy up with some of the wrestlers because I'm in there with them every day that they're training. Of course, you see so them then, all the time. Exactly. So then they would invite me into actual wrestling practice on the other days that they're not in the strength and conditioning room. And, you know, I would, I would, when I said I learned how to get healthy, I picked up their traits. And I believe this about anything. I can learn anything from anybody, even what not to do. Well, yeah. So, like, I would watch some guys diet exercise and train properly. And then I'd watch those other guys crash diet. And I'd be like, okay, well I can, I can learn from you what to do. And I can learn from you what not to do. And 
you know, it was just, it's a whole, like you said, it's a whole different world. Like when you have a target weight that you have to get to in a specific time and, you know, knowing how much you have to cut out of your diet for the next seven days, knowing that you have to go sweat out at least three to four pounds of water weight. Uh, it was, that was a big defining moment of my life. And that's where I would say I got healthy and what got and dropped down to about two thirty. So you, so you dropped down, you got healthy and obviously there was a lot in between now and then, but not negative. Yeah. You know? So where you're so, at, where you're at now, what are you trying? What is your, what's your end goal? Like I, I I'm one of those guys, I'm never going to be happy with my body and I'm not saying I'm not negative about my body, but I'm always going to be able to find something to improve. But if you can say, this is the perfect, you know, Tony Storm. What, what, what do you envision in your mind that you think you can realistically get to? Honestly, um, I'm, I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm, I'm, I try to be happy with where I'm at, but I'm never satisfied. Yeah, you know, that's one of my life mottos: is always be happy, but never be satisfied. Know that you can set a new goal and achieve a new goal. So, I'm happy with like my body composition right now. I kind of want to tighten up a few areas. Yeah. But I, I think when it's all said and done, I would like to be roughly around 235, 240 with a body composition somewhere between 8 and 12% body fat. Yeah, that's not bad. I, I don't, I don't want to be one of those guys that's, you know, sh- I'm, not, I'm not Brian Cage. I don't need to be a shredded bodybuilder, you know, jacked up body guy. I want to have a good physique that when I walk into a gas station or when I take my shirt off and walk in on the beach – People are going to turn their head a second time and be like, this guy is somebody, but who is he? That's what I dude. That is what the definition of what I think every pro wrestler should strive to be. That's, that's what I dislike is that there's a lot of guys that say I'm a pro wrestler and people will laugh at them. Like you're joking, but yeah. as someone like myself or yourself, or the the blondes, they look different. They're bigger guys. Uh, Francisco, he's a big guy. I'm, and I'm you know, naming people that we know personally amongst each other. But right. you, all of us can say, I'm a pro wrestler. No one's going to second guess and think we're kidding. You know what I mean? Right. Everyone should strive for that. But I, 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 but I completely agree with you on the body composition stuff. I... I'm a big IFBB pro bodybuilding fan. I used to, one of my trainers used to be, is an IFBB pro right now. I'm thinking about bringing him back on to uh, do my diet once my arms healed up. Um, there's no point now, obviously in that, but you know, it's, I know guys like that and I follow it and it's cool and it looks good to me. I'm a fan of it, but at the same time, knowing my lifestyle and my quality of life, what I consider to be a good quality of life I would be miserable if I if I had to do I wouldn't be miserable looking like I had 4% body fat but I would be miserable outside of the gym maintaining that cuz I like pizza and I like beer you know what I mean that that's that that's where I can't do it but like you said man like that 12% even up if you're a thicker guy 15% you can have that and still be extremely muscular and and turn faces oh, yeah. that's 100% I would say I'm very like I have this, um, it's, I call it a beautiful disaster. It's like a blessing and a curse. Uh-huh. I, um, in, I'm going to say 2017, I believe I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. Okay. Um, so I have a, I don't know, I guess it's a disease. It's a condition, but I'm, my intestines and my stomach are very sensitive to specific types of foods. 
And I found that out the hard way. Um, and I ended up in the hospital for a couple of days with ulcerative colitis. How long, ago, how long, how long ago was this, did you say? Uh, I think it was 2017. So I remember, the I remember this. I think I remember this. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I, it was, it was bad. Uh, I ended up having to miss a couple of shows because of it. And I was down for the count. And then it happened again. Um, I had a flare up in 2018. Yeah. And that was a, that was a really big deal. No, no, it was in 2017. Yeah. It was 2017 when I had the flare up, it was like August. And cause that's when everything started to happen in 2018 was right after that. So with, with that, like really greasy foods, the foods that like, I love to have burgers, pizza. Um, I can't, oh. I physically can't because if I go out and, you know, one of the things that set off that big flare up was a, um, and I'll never forget this. It was a, um, a three quarter pound black Angus burger with mushrooms and Swiss cheese and sauteed onions. I was in Idaho and I had this giant burger. And I just remember before I went to the hospital, like that is what set me off. And it is, it's all the greases and the fats that really attack my, my insides. And it will dehydrate me and pull all the nutrients out of my body. So I have to be very careful on what I eat, which Again, it's a blessing because I eat a lot cleaner now. I eat a lot healthier because I have to. Um, but it's also a curse because, like, when I, when the boys say, hey, let's go out and get some hot wings or some burgers, I'm like, all right, great, I'll have a chicken salad. Yeah, I can I can see how that could get a little bit, like, kind of on the shitty side. But but if you know it's good for you and you get used to it, I, I would imagine 2017 is still a little close to now. I, I think as time goes on, your body will even 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 your taste buds will slowly forget over time, and then it won't bother you as much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm kind of there now. Like, if I told you how many egg whites I eat in a day, you'd think I was crazy. But I've learned to just love egg whites. Oh, I love it's 100 percent my go-to food. Yeah, I, I, I well, I I just I eat about a dozen eggs a day, um, whole eggs. I should probably cut right. that down to egg whites, but um, I I my body. It doesn't matter. It doesn't seem like it. Sometimes if I cut carbs out drastically, I can lose some body fat. But my problem is I'm not really carb sensitive to an extent. However, I do lose a lot of strength and, and like almost like deflation in my muscle when I stop eating carbs to the point where I can lose a good amount of body fat. But I'm also very neg- like it, it, it disrupts my brain knowing that I'm getting weaker to where if I just reduce my carbs a little bit and I can still eat some fatty foods like a burger and a steak and stuff like that, it doesn't affect me. So, I mean, fortunately I don't have obviously that condition. I don't know many people that do. It sounds like it's pretty rare, but you've able, you've been able to, you know, turn it positive and have it work out and it worked out. You, yeah. You, I mean, you, it's, you, it's a fun game. You know, yeah. And, and you, and you look right now and I, I would assume based on the body and stuff like that, that opened up doors. You said you did the, uh, you went, and I remember this because there was pictures up of it. Uh, the WWE camp that you went to for three days. Are you allowed to elaborate on that at all? I don't know what the rules are. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, it's it's an invite only. Yeah. Not anybody can just walk up to the front door, knock on it, and say, "Hey, I want to try out." Yeah, obviously. Some of you guys have done it, and they just send you away. Um, so I was invited by Matt Bloom, the the head coach at the Performance Center. Uh, because of, you know, multiple recommendations 
to them and because I've, I've applied, so I'm in the system. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was honestly probably the greatest experience wrestling wise because a, you're, you're in that environment and that's the environment that we should all as professionals strive to be. Yeah. I know there's a lot of indie darlings out there and they're like, Oh, well, you know, indie wrestling is great. I just want to be the best indie star in the world. Yeah, that's all fine. But you didn't get into this business watching independent wrestling at your local bingo hall. So don't lie to me and say that you don't strive to be in the WWE. Exactly. Everybody wants to be on WrestleMania. And if you don't, or if you say you don't, you're lying. Deep down inside, that 12-year-old kid that watched Shawn Michaels beat Bret the Hitman Hart for the World Heavyweight Championship is pissed at you. Yeah, I agree. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, three days. It's, uh, number one, it's just a very, like I said, it's a humbling experience to know that the company that you want to work for most in the world actually knows who you are. Yeah. But when I say it is so structured, so professionally done, um, it, it is. It's when I say, it's, I don't say it was a tryout. I say it was a camp. Because that is 100% what it is. You, they give you a schedule for three days of where you're going to be, when you're going to be, what you're going to do, who you're going to be training with, and what you're going to go over. And they give you this well in advance to prepare. Yeah, it's ultra so formatted. You, Everybody, it's it's everything. There, I mean, you're talking about the most professional wrestling company in the world. Their yeah. trial. It's it's like their NFL combine is this, but they obviously yeah. do it more than one time a year. So how, how, what, what was this for you? What was harder? Was the mental aspect of it harder or was the physical aspect of it harder? And when I say mental, I don't mean like, um, you know, they, they probably ask you a bunch of challenging questions mentally. I mean, did you, was it so, yeah. Yeah. Was it so the drills that you had to do? Was that, did a psychological heaviness of it outweigh the physical heaviness of it or just by looking at yeah. what you were going to have to do? It was, it was intimidating. So of course it was psychologically more difficult than physically. Uh, at this point it was last April. So it's been almost a full year since my camp and the things that you do at the tryouts, they really focus on basics. They don't care if you can springboard off the middle rope. Yeah. They want to know, can you roll properly? They want to know if you can take a bump properly. They want to know that you can hit the ropes properly. And they want to know that you can be safe. You've trained wherever you've trained. But when you come to WWE, they're going to retrain you their way. Yeah, of course. And contrary to what anybody thinks, their way is the right way. That's why they're a multi-billion dollars a year corporation. So they just want to see that A, you can do it the way they ask you to do it and that you're coachable and that you're a good person and that you're going to listen to their their critiques, their advices, and their opinions. But again, you walk into this giant room with seven wrestling rings in it and they drill you. And you go from one ring to the second ring to the third ring and you do those drills constant. And you have at least three or four coaches watching you at all times. So... Mm -hmm. That that weighs on your conscience and that weighs on your psyche. So it's just so psycho. You you don't want to you don't want to screw up. Yeah. So you're constantly second guessing yourself, and you know it is it's a huge mental test. But physically, 
you're going through the motions that you learned in the first year when you were training. Is it just a lot of them? Like, is it, is it, it, so it, so it is as, as mentally or psychologically tough as it is, and it is just basic tight movements. There are enough of them to where you're like, wow, I I imagine it gets to a point where physically as well, you're like, fuck, I don't want to do another role. You know what I mean? Exactly. No, there's, yeah, there's a lot of rolls. There's a lot of bumps. And then the ropes there, they're legitimate ropes. Yeah, no, I've done not cables. I've done a match in a WWE ring. That's one. It's one of the weirdest feelings when you're so because everybody on the independents has steel cable rope, quote unquote rope. The WWE uses real rope. So I remember I did a when I had a tryout match. It was in a it was in a Monday Night Raw ring and it was twenty by twenty feet, which is another surprise. You know what I mean? That you're not normally used to. And then you throw the rope. You throw the rope aspect in there. You're you know. I'm in the middle of a match hitting the rope. I'm basically trying to relearn how to hit this rope while I'm being watched by everybody try, trying to do this match. It's a whole different ball game. Yep. So, you know, the first, the first day is literally just rolls and making, you know, sure that your technique and your footwork, they're constantly sticklers on footwork. Uh, then day two, they had us uh, go into the strength and conditioning room and train with their uh, strength and conditioning coaches uh-huh. who are by far some of the best athlete trainers in the world. They put us through workouts that I've never even done or seen, but I promise you I've started implementing them into my daily workouts because just their stretching techniques were phenomenal Of course, to get warmed up. And then the third day, um, they broke us down and had us do uh, promos, and matches so they they paired us up with whoever they wanted to pair us up with for matches and then you go through a five-minute match in front of anybody and everybody who happens to be at the performance center that day okay so all the coaches that have been there through your camp there were a couple of uh legends that were there just hanging out they were visiting for one reason or another and ended up watching the tryout match that i had with uh lance on hawaii so it's basically and we had a really good match. It's basically nerve wracking, though. Obviously, extremely, now you now you really don't want to mess anything up. Well, you did it, and, right? And you did it, and everything was good. Without mentioning any names, and and the answer might be no too. Um, but if so, I don't no names, anything like that. Obviously, but did you see people throughout those three days like drop out and not come back the next day, or just leave in the middle of anything? Multiple. Multiple people. Um, you know, I can give you examples. There was a couple guys who just weren't physically prepared. Okay. It was the 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 warm ups, the conditioning drills just to start the day had um one of the bigger guys, he was a former football player, literally so lightheaded they wouldn't let him train the rest of the day. Jesus. He almost passed out just from the drills. Jesus. Um there were a couple of guys there from the um you, you know that arena league foot that arena football league that yeah, had yeah. closed down last spring? Yep. You had like probably two handfuls of those guys that were there trying to, you know, get a job. They didn't know what they were going to do after football was over. One of the guys, uh, William Regal, pulled us all at the end of the day one, and he kind of just gave us the old spiel about what being in the WWE is all about, how great of a job it is, and how he's so honored to be there for the last 20 years. But he told us, you have to be serious, and you have to be dedicated to this company because you're gone 300-plus days a year. Yeah. On the low end, he said, even if you just get a performance center contract and you're doing the regular loops, with the non-televised NXT program, you're on the road 150 days a year. Yeah, and that's that's the lightest schedule they offer. 
And one of the football guys walked in on day two, and I have to give him credit. He was very honest with all the coaches and all of us. And he said, this lifestyle is not for me. Uh, I appreciate the invite, but I'm going to go ahead and leave now because I don't want to uh, waste anybody's time, not my own, not yours, because I can't commit to even 150 days a year. Yeah, and a lot of football guys, too, are, you know, they're used to 16 games. Even though they have practice, they might live where they play. They're not used to, and half those games are at home. You know what I mean? So they're they're dedicating a lot, but they're able to go to the family and all that kind of stuff. Um, Dude, that's awesome. So we, we, you know, we went from the beginning to the end. I'm sure we could talk probably for hours. Um, You have done a lot. You have done a lot, and I'm sure you have a lot planned to do. Um, But we're at the point now where I kind of need to wrap this up. I'm sure that there could be a Tony the Storm Evelyn uh, episode number two at some point. Um, obviously we want to get some more, you know, cool shit to, uh, down on, uh, in your life, you know, before we do that, but you, you promised me that we would get to it. So I have to know, and I've given you countless shit for at least uh, the last year. <laughs> I want to know, Oh yeah. we got to talk about the horse. How did the horse come to be? Did you pay for this thing? Did someone else pay for it? Cause I know it wasn't free. You don't just get free horses for photo shoots. You don't get a free photo shoot half the time. So where did the horse so come I'll, from? So I was contacted by that photographer. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he is primarily a wrestling photographer, but he at this time was looking to expand his portfolio into other areas. He's Wait looking to be able to shoot for, if I, I'm not, I'm not going to say the photographer's name. I, okay. I, I don't know if you want me to or not. And this was, this isn't making fun of him at all. I'm just making a wild guess of who I think the photographer is. I don't even know the guy that well, but is there a horse in the right. title of it? Yeah. Okay. River horse. So, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Alan, he's a great guy. Yeah. No, uh, I've, so I've anyway, got, I've gotten promo pictures from him before. He's a cool dude. So anyway, he, so he contacts you. Keep going. Yeah, he's super cool, super talented. He contacts me and he lets me know he's looking to branch out into other um, other areas of photography. He's looking to get his stuff on like billboards and into commercials and stuff like that. And sure. he contacted me and said, I need a male model. He goes, I've got a couple of females. He goes, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, I hate working with wrestlers. And I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I'm a wrestler. He goes, yeah, yeah but you have a great physique. If you can just listen to me, I would like to offer you this opportunity. I'm going to, you know, pay you X, Y, Z to just let me shoot you for four hours. Yeah, that's not bad. And I was like, I was like, okay. He was like, it's not a lot of money, but I'm also going to give you um, all of the photos that come out good that I would want to turn into any that I would want to put in my portfolio. You can have the digital rights to those. Okay. I was like, so you're going to give me cash, plus you're going to give me these photos. I'm in. What do I got to do? He goes, just bring this out, this kind of outfit, this kind of outfit, and this kind of outfit. I'll explain the rest when you get here. Oh. So you had no so, horse. You, know, he, you had no clue you were going to be hanging out with like a Clydesdale that day. No, no clue at all. He just said, bring some jeans and some type of like cutoff shirt that you, maybe you would wear on a fawn. Okay. And I'm like, okay. So that's what I brought. I brought those outfits that he asked for. And all of a sudden we end up out in, uh, out in Lakeland in a barn. at one of his friend's farms. Yeah. And it just so happened that the horse was in the, uh, put up in the pen and he was like, are you afraid of horses? And I was like, no, <laughs> he was like, 
Let's get a few. Let's get a few photos by the horse. You know, it's kind of like that Fabio feel. Don't Maybe, you? Don't you, you like? Know, isn't it like your leg kicked off on one of them with your hands in your pockets and the horse is oh, yeah. over your shoulder? It's like yep. the you say Fabio. That thing looks like the cover of a like a nineteen nineties love novel. <laughs> that's the exactly. First. That's exactly what he said. Oh, so like man. like I said, he just said, "I just I just want you to listen. I just want you to do what I tell you to do." And we're going to get through this in about four hours. Jeez. So, like, he kind of coached me through some of the poses. And the horse was there. You know, there's. I think there's some even, like, where I'm holding a saddle up over my shoulder. <laughs> do you have any and, of these the pictures? Do you have any of these pictures printed out, like, hanging on the walls of your house? He has them in his own studio. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think my parents even have one with the horse printed in their house. And the funniest thing is, Nobody even remembers the fact that I took, uh, I took shots in like these really tight spandex pants with no shirt on, and I'm lifting dumbbells. I took athletic shots. I took like super dressed up professional shots in like a suit. The horse trumps and them all. Nobody cares. That horse has become the biggest meme of my entire existence. You know what I? And think, I'm not mad. You know, think you know what I think would be great. Uh, if if uh, you walked into the WWN training center one day and there was a giant like just ten by ten blown up photo of you with that horse on oh one of their walls, <laughs> like how so I'm sure they got big giant posters and shit hanging up. That'd be great. Oh yeah. If there was a there was a Tony Storm, like ride him cowboy, big old. I'll say Francisco would walk in and have a heart attack because he would be laughing until he died. Jesus. That would be funny, but hey, man, uh, we're we got to wrap this up. As much as I want to keep talking about horses, um, maybe <laughs> maybe between now and the next time, you could find yourself in another farmy predicament. But uh, do you have any sort of social media that you want to plug so anyone listening can follow you if they feel like it, if they've made it this far? Hey, if you've made it this far, a thank you very much. Uh, come check out any of my socials if you're interested in seeing pictures of me with the horse and my shirt off. It's a sight to see. You can check it out on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, search for me at the storm underscore 85. And then you can just look me up on Facebook, Tony Evelyn. Um, and then the storm in quotes. So anybody who is still listening, thank you very much. Please join me on my socials. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, hit Ryan up and you know, if you want to hear a part two, request it and we'll do, we'll do the best we can to try to schedule a part two for you guys. So you were born in 85 too, huh? Yep. That me too. I turned 30. We turned 35 this year. Yeah, man, we're getting old. I feel great. Minus my left arm. I feel great. But it was awesome, Tony. I'm glad you came on. Hey, everybody, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Ryan Ocean Podcast. If you are listening, obviously you found the new location. We, I do have a new host. I've talked about that before. I have completely deleted the old one. So if, you, if you're listening, you're definitely listening through the new host. So tell all your friends to go, whether you use Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, or any of the smaller ones like Stitcher, look up the Ryan Ocean Podcast and subscribe. Tell them about it. Uh, rate it. Review it. Listen to it whenever you want. Past, present episodes. And RyanOcean.com takes you directly to the feed for the new host where you can listen to any episode you want, current or past at your leisure. I appreciate you all for tuning in this week. Hopefully I get to talk to you next week again on the Ryan Ocean Podcast.